We are uh, today in one of my very favorite chapters in all of God's Word, Luke chapter 15. So if you have your Bible, uh, locate Luke chapter 15. I have a question as we begin. How many of you have a tendency to lose stuff? Not that you're a loser, but you, you lose keys and wallets and purses and cell phones. You're, you're the losing... I got my hand up there. Anybody? Come on, go ahead and admit it. Okay. Okay. Hopefully uh, you have some finders around you and in your life. Uh, uh, I probably am the one who loses stuff in our household, and thankfully I married a finder, and she usually knows where things are at. Uh, Luke chapter 15, uh, we're going to spend some time looking at uh, God's lost and found box. We're going to look at the first 10 verses of Luke chapter 15, where a sheep and a coin come up missing. Luke chapter 15, would you stand with me if you're... Let's stand, and uh, we're going to learn that God cares deeply about lost stuff. He really does. Verse... 1 Luke chapter 15 here we go now the tax collectors and sinners were all gathering around to hear Jesus but the Pharisees and the teachers of the law muttered this man welcomes sinners and eats with them then Jesus told them this parable suppose one of you has a hundred sheep and loses one of them doesn't he leave the 99 in the open country and go after the lost sheep until he finds it. And when he finds it, he joyfully puts it on his shoulders and goes home, then calls his friends and neighbors together and says, Rejoice with me, I found my lost sheep. I tell you that in the same way, there will be more rejoicing in heaven over one sinner who repents than over 99 righteous persons who did not need to repent. Or suppose a woman has ten silver coins and loses one. Doesn't she light a lamp, sweep the house, and search carefully until she finds it? And when she finds it, she calls her friends and neighbors together and says, Rejoice with me, I found my lost coin. In the same way, I tell you, there is rejoicing in the presence of the angels of God over one sinner who repents. Let's pray. Lord, uh, thank you for being the awesome creator of billions and billions of galaxies, each containing billions and billions of stars. And Lord, we realize we live in a universe that stretches out for billions of light years wide. You're an awesome God, and yet you care for each of us individually. And Lord, what we just read reminds us that you deeply care and even rejoice over one puny sinner who repents and turns to your son Jesus by faith. Lord, I, I pray that today we would understand your heart for lost people. And may we this morning begin to reflect your heart with the very same priorities you have in our own lives. Lord, I'm asking that we might care deeply about the same things that you care deeply about. We invite your spirit now, Jesus, in spirit form to fill and take charge in this room. 
Lord, uh, you come and fill and take charge of each of us individually. We uh, slide off the throne. We slide over to the driver's seat. You come and drive. You come and be the king of our lives right now. And we're asking that as we study your book today, that you'll speak very loudly and clearly to each of our lives. And all the church gathered at Walloon Lake said with one strong voice. I think you need to wake yourselves up a little bit, yeah. And, and, and he all said with one really strong voice. Amen. You're awake now. You can be seated. Well done. <laughs> it's important to understand who has gathered around Jesus in verses 1 and 2. Because if you don't understand who's gathered around Jesus, then you're probably not going to understand the meaning of these parables. It's crucial. It's critical. Verse 1, Now the tax collectors and sinners were all gathered around to hear Jesus. Tax collectors were the Jewish citizens who worked for the hated and despised Roman government. So these were Jews, but they were traitors in the minds of the Jews. Uh, they were notorious for overcharging for cheating, and a good example of that we'll get to in a few weeks in Luke 19, a wee little man named, who is it again? Zacchaeus. Uh, sinners referred to Jews who had reputations. Sinners were people with a sinful past or sinful presence. Uh, it could be that they were involved in sinful activity, could be they had addictions, could be they were like the younger brother that follows this parable starting in verse 11. Uh, they, they were involved in sinful, wild living. Well, they didn't keep the Old Testament law, obviously, and they didn't visit the temple like they should. Therefore, the religious, the Pharisees, the teachers of the law, uh, viewed them as the scum of the earth. Uh, you were untouchable. You... Uh, are people we don't care about, we don't talk to, we don't associate with you, uh, and we would never be seen uh, sitting down or sharing a meal or, or doing anything. That, that would be bad form. That would be absolutely unthinkable. Verse 2, the Pharisees and the teachers of the law muttered, this man welcomes sinners and eats with them. So also standing around Jesus were the religious leaders of the Jews, the Pharisees, the teachers of the law. These were supposed to be the shepherds of the nation of Israel. And you'll notice what they think about the sinners and Jesus talking to them. Verse 2, they were muttering, they were stewing, they were contemptuous of Jesus and who he was involved with. This man named Jesus he eats with sinners. He's friends with sinners. Uh, uh, we want nothing to do with this Jesus then. And then verse 3 is what prompts these parables that we're going to study. Understand? So there's, there's some background. Uh, it was their indignant, uppity, pious, religious, neglecting, shunning, ignoring these sinners' attitudes that prompts Jesus to share these parables. 
And there's three of them here. We're going to look today at the first two, the parable of the lost sheep and then the parable of the lost coin. But I want you to understand, why does Jesus share these parables? It was the muttering, complaining, ignoring, shunning, neglecting of sinners that prompted Jesus to share. Uh, They were angry, they were mad at Jesus, and this leads Jesus to kind of aim these parables, kind of pulls out his spiritual gun and aims point blank at the Pharisees and the teachers of the law. So again, uh, who was Jesus aiming these parables at? And the answer is, come on, help me out. The Pharisees and the teachers of the law, the, the religious elite, the Jewish leaders of Israel. Parable number one, the parable of the lost sheep which is interesting, the good shepherd tells a sheep parable. Verse 4, here we go. Suppose one of you has a hundred sheep, that was the normal flock, any more than a hundred, you'd need another shepherd, but normally uh, a shepherd could take care of a hundred sheep. Suppose if you has a hundred sheep and you lose one of them, doesn't he leave the 99 in the open country, go after the lost sheep until he finds it? And when he finds it, he joyfully puts it on his shoulders. Why? Probably the sheep's worn out. It's tired. It's, uh, it's, it's at the end. Maybe it was stuck in a rut. Maybe it was stuck in a thicket or a, a bush. But it's worn out, puts it on his shoulders, uh, and goes home. Then he calls his friends, neighbors together, says, Rejoice with me. I found my lost sheep. The, the Pharisees, the teachers of the law, were supposed to be the shepherds, the religious shepherds of Israel. Uh, but Jesus says in John 10, verse 11, I am the good shepherd, and I, as the good shepherd, lay down my life for my sheep. And we know he's talking about the cross. Jesus came to earth to seek and to save who? Religious elite? Those who think they're doing really well? Who did Jesus come to seek and to save who? The lost. Jesus is saying here, a real genuine good shepherd realizes when a sheep is missing, you better spring into action. And he goes after lost sheep. Even though it takes time and energy and effort to go after a lost sheep, a diligent good shepherd goes instantly after a lost sheep. Because that's my job. That's my passion. I care about lost sheep. I care about my flock, and I'm going to go after uh, any lost sheep. Now, shepherds over the centuries have uh, noted that sheep tend to nibble their way into lostness. Track with me here for a minute. Uh, They move from one patch of uh, food to the next. Their focus is on food, and soon they've lost sight of the flock and the shepherd, and now they are what? They're lost. And I just want you to know that's exactly how most of us get lost. Uh, We get separated from Jesus, our good shepherd, even today. We get separated from the flock, and it's slow. Rarely do we just run off into wild living and sin. Most, Most members of the flock, we just hide slowly, almost imperceptibly. Miss one Sunday, 
Then I miss another one. And then pretty soon I'm far away from the flock and I'm far away from Jesus. And then we wake up one morning and we've completely lost sight of Jesus. And he feels far away. Um, How many of you have ever wandered from Jesus before and you knew it and you just nibbled yourself into a state of lostness? Is there anybody here? You've, You've done that before? Good news. Are you ready? The good shepherd is still in the business of coming after his lost sheep. The good shepherd still cares and calls and seeks and forgives, and he's going to come after his sheep. And if you're here today, and you've just kind of nibbled yourself into uh, some uh, vast or maybe even just a little bit of, of distance between you and Jesus, please know he's not mad at you. Isn't that what we think? He's mad at me. He doesn't really want me to come. No, he loves you, and he's going to come after you. And he's kind of like that lifeguard who sees when you're getting further and further out in the deep water, and now you're in trouble. Jesus is that lifeguard, and he's going to swim out. And we're kind of his under lifeguards, and hopefully we'll swim out to you as well. And uh, we'll let you know, you know, come on, come on. You're danger on back. We love you. You're okay. Uh, and uh, here's the meaning of the parable in case you had any doubt. Look at verse 7. He tells us, this is what it means. I tell you that in the same way there'll be more rejoicing in heaven over one sinner who repents than over the 99 righteous persons who didn't think they needed to repent. Guess who the 99 folks who didn't think they need rescuing Jesus is referring to. Slide back up to verse 2. He's aiming this at the religious leaders. Uh, He's saying, hey, religious leaders, you need to wake up because heaven right now, there's this celebration going on and a sinner has come back to the Lord. And uh, the lost have been rescued by the good shepherd, Jesus Christ. They found eternal life they found salvation, they've come home. And you, religious leaders, you really don't care. You could care less if these sheep are lost and go to a, a, a judgment and, and, and hell. and the, You could care less. Matter of fact, you're probably thinking they deserve that. That's okay. And, and the sad reality, give me your eyes, the most lost people in this passage were the ones who thought they were just fine. The ones who were good and nice and moral, and and they kept lots of rules, they were meticulous, they were nice people, but they never acknowledged that they were sick spiritually and deep sinners themselves. They never admitted that they too needed a good shepherd, and they were lost without Christ. Matthew chapter 9, verses 12 and 13 Jesus explains, I didn't come for those who think they're healthy. Jesus came to earth for who? For those who know that they're sick and they need the doctor, the spiritual. And who is the doctor for us? The great physician. Who is that? Jesus Christ. Yeah. So that's who Jesus came for. Uh, Parable number two, verse eight. We'll go quickly. Um, Or suppose a woman has ten silver coins and she loses one, doesn't she? Light a lamp, sweep the house, search carefully until she finds it. Verse 9, 
And when she finds it, she calls her friends and neighbors together and says, Rejoice with me, I found my lost coin. Now I remember as a teen thinking, why is she going crazy over a penny? You know, why, why is she so excited? Oh, look, at I found my penny. Um, here's what you need to know. A silver coin is likely the Greek drachma. That's equal to one day's wage. Uh, so really what she lost is a $100 bill. How many of you would be upset if you lost a $100 bill? Can I see your hands? Now you understand, okay? Okay. This was perhaps this woman's dowry. Uh, this was the wedding gift to the bride. This was her emergency fund in case of catastrophe or emergency. She's lost 10% of her nest egg, and uh, she's basically lost 10% of her life savings. So what does this woman do? Oh, that's no big deal. It's just a $100 bill. No, it matters, and it matters a lot to her. She lights the lamp. She sweeps the floor. What's that? Uh, probably a dirt floor is what it's referring to. So she's going to get the rake out and search for that lost $100 bill. And once she finds that lost coin, what does she do? What does she do? Tell me. She rejoices. <laughs> yeah, tells her friends, hey, guess what? I found the $100 bill that I lost. So what's the point of the second parable? In case you didn't get it, verse 10 nails it. In the same way, Jesus says, I tell you there's rejoicing in the presence of the angels of God over one sinner who repents. Think about it. Every time one sinner decides to come running to Jesus, to the arms of Jesus, a party breaks out in heaven. And billions and billions of angels go nuts. So it makes like a Super Bowl touchdown seem like just a little thing, okay? This is excitement. This is rejoicing. Why? Because someone who is going to spend eternity uh, separated from the Good Shepherd is now going to spend eternity with Jesus. A sinner has been found. Go back to verse 2. The Jewish religious leaders of the day, muttering, stewing, indignant, pious contempt over sinners. We think we're just fine with God. He loves our meticulous keeping, our morality. And, and they're saying, we want nothing to do with those sinners and tax collectors. They don't deserve God. They don't deserve eternal salvation or eternal, or eternal life. They're basically saying, let them go to hell. That's what they deserve. And what does Jesus say? Sorry, boys. That's why I came to earth to seek and to save who? The lost. I'm all about reaching sick sinners and making them a part of my family. So, what's the takeaway for us from these two parables? I'll give you two takeaways since there's two parables. So if you have a, a pen or a paper, we got like an open flap there. It's got a whole nice little section for notes. Did you know that's why that's there? Did you notice that in your bulletin? Okay. Uh, what should we learn in northern Michigan 2016 from these two uh, parables? First, if Jesus, the good shepherd, uh, cares about lost people, then we who follow Jesus should care about lost people. Does that make sense? 
If we're followers of Jesus and He cares deeply about lost people, then so should we. Which means when that waitress or waiter serves us our meal at the Big Boy or Fillmore's or Red Mesa or BC Pizza or at Barrelback, uh, Jesus came to earth to seek and to save them and He loves them every bit as much as He loves who? Us. Yeah, got to remember that. Uh, somehow we need to get in our minds the cashier at the family fair or at Myers or Walmart needs to see the love and the joy of Jesus in us even if it's just for that two, three, five, ten minutes that we're there with them they need to see the love and the joy and the kindness of Jesus in us um, I'll never forget checking out the pastor at probably the largest church in Grand Rapids at the time. And uh, I went to his church, uh, and I was checking him out, and he, didn't, he had no clue. I was a dot up in left field uh, to him. He didn't know I went to his church. Uh, and when he was checking out with me, I thought, oh, good. Um, he's with the Lord now, but I still won't tell you his name. Uh, but, tremendous preacher. Wow. Uh, anyway, uh, when he was checking out with me, he was a grump. I mean, this guy, he was grumpy. And I understand he's paying for his car to get fixed, you know, and he's paying lots of money. But, but he was grumpy. And, and I thought, wow, that guy, I admire him so much, but he was grumpy. And that bothered me for a long time. Um, but I tell you what, it was really good for me to see that because now when I'm checking out, I remind myself, remember, Jeff, don't be grumpy because uh, there's a good chance this person might know who I am and they might be watching, they might be paying real close attention and, and now reflect Jesus. <laughs> They're watching. They're listening. Uh, second takeaway, if Jesus actively looks for and after lost people, Sorry, we're cutting out a little bit there. Um, then those who follow Jesus should look after and go after lost people. Does that make sense? So if he's going after them and he cares about them and he's actively seeking lost people, then you and I should go after lost people. How many of you know, you're pretty sure, uh, know five people who the best you can tell probably don't know Jesus as Savior and Lord? How many of you know five of those? Okay, you ready? I want you to write their names down right now. Go. Just spend like 30 seconds. Lord, show me the five who are around me who don't know you as Savior. you got, you got plenty of lines there in your bulletin. Five people um, who, who, best I know, they don't know Jesus as Savior and Lord. So how do I reach those five people? Lord, how do I connect with them and actively seek them for you. Because I want heaven to rejoice when they become one of your kids. I, I, I want to be a part of that celebrate. I want to celebrate on earth and the angels will go nuts in heaven as well. Um, let me share you some steps. Um, when Pastor Brandt was uh, candidating, he shared, well, this is my way of evangelism. So these are the steps. And you might want to write these down. And here's what's nice. Give me your eyes. 
you don't have to cram all five of them in at once. You know how sometimes if I get the one chance, I'm going to give them the Romans road, I'm going to give them my testimony, I'm going to share everything, I'm just going to preach right down their throat. That, that doesn't work very well, not very effective. Uh, so these are kind of just steps to spread out over months instead. And I, that's why I like it. First of all, number one, step number one, get to know a sinner by name. Know their name and then make sure they know your name. So uh, if it's the family fair cashier, get to know her name and tell her your name. Okay? Or whoever it might be. Maybe it's the person who sits next to you in math class. You know? So hopefully you already know their name, but tell them your name. Step number two. That's pretty easy, right? Uh, at some point, tell them that you're a follower of Jesus. Leave it there. Just tell them. Did you know uh, I, I love Jesus and I'm following him? And just leave it alone. That's step two. Don't have to go any further. Third step. Are you ready? Here we go. Invite them to an appropriate event. What is that? Well, like next Friday? Hey, would you like to come to the ultimate date night? It's going to be amazing. Why don't you come and uh, I'll pick you up and you can be a part of that. That's happening next Friday. Or why don't you come to uh, walk where Jesus walked with us on Good Friday? And, and that would be an appropriate thing to invite them to. Or if you're a teen, ta-da, Glow Zone this evening, 6 to 8, BC Lanes. And tonight, if you're a teen, appropriate, third step, invite them to come. And, and Brant's going to share the gospel and be praying, because I think lots of teens are going to come to personal faith. And there's going to be like billions of angels going crazy tonight. Won't that be fun to think about? Okay, so be praying about that. But invite them to an appropriate event. Okay? So, so you, you first of all get to know their name. Tell them that you love Jesus. Uh, thirdly, invite them to an appropriate event. Fourth step, you writing this down? Go ahead, shake your head, you know. Yeah, we're, just play along, okay? Uh, explain to them how to follow Jesus. Tell them how, to, and here's the problem. Some of us are thinking, but I, but I don't know how to follow Jesus. I don't, I don't know how to explain it to them. Well, it just so happens that we have these little tracks, and Brant has some of them. Pastor Bob has some. I'll put some here. I'll have some right here on top of uh, the monitor here. Okay? And finally, ask them if they'd like to follow Jesus, and you can walk through uh, this little uh, Bridge to Life track with them. Okay? So again... Uh, well, I don't know steps four and five. We'll, we'll give you a little cheater. And you can kind of uh, read this one through and then walk it through. And, and I'm just telling you, it, it's really easy to walk through the steps to come to know Jesus. If, it's, if a little child can come to know Christ, trust me, it, it's not complicated. But uh, if you need some help, we'll put those out there for you, okay? Um, be praying every day, Lord, this person, these five that you've placed in my life, I'm praying that their heart would be soft and they'd be ready to take the next step. And that's how you pray. And why would we do this? Because Jesus came to seek and to save the lost. And if Jesus came to seek and save the lost and I'm a follower of Jesus, what should we be all about? We should be about seeking and saving who? The lost around us. Lost around us. Let's pray as we close. Lord, thank you for being awesome and amazing and uh, 
the enormous God that you are. And yet I'm amazed that you have a heart for sinners like us. That you care so much for the one that's still lost and needs to come running home to your son Jesus. Lord, I'm praying that uh, you'll give me, you'll give us as your church a heart for lost people. Give us your eyes. And Lord, I, I ask that you'll forgive us for those times where we behave and think more like uh, Pharisees and teachers of the law, not caring about the lost people that you've placed in our lives. Lord, forgive us for those times where we've been judgmental and ornery towards sinners around us who are behaving in the only way they can behave, like sinners. My prayer, Lord, is that uh, sinners in northern Michigan would see us in your church as people who care. Lord, may they see in us people who accept and love them with your love. Lord, give us the courage to reach out and actively look for opportunities to get to know sinners that you put in our path. And Lord, I pray that we might start working through those steps, that we'll uh, actively be praying for people around us because we want that party in heaven, that rejoicing by the billions and billions of angels. We, we want to rejoice and be a part of your plan for reaching the world around us. And Lord, um, that plan is us. Please use us. And now, Lord, as the ushers come forward, we're thankful for the gifts that we're about to be received for those who are hurting in our church family. Lord, I, I pray for those who are being served in the community needs program. Lord, I'm asking that these gifts might bring encouragement and might bring hope to each and every person who's in need. And we pray all of these things in the amazing name of your Son, Jesus Christ.